0: Well, I want to welcome all of our guests this morning that are visiting with us. I have my girls and family from Grand Rapids and Hillsdale, and it's nice to have you here. And my grandchildren are in the nursery and out messing around, which they should be doing. That's what grandkids do. And uh, I want to, just thanks for being here today. I know it's, a, it's Father's Day and a lot of things going on, but I just appreciate you being here and being in the house of the Lord because He is our Father. Amen? Larry, let's start, I want to start with a little video this morning to kind of set the stage for what it means to be a dad. Thank you.
1: Jesus more than life. And when I'm late to rest, life's journey I have trod. I hope my children will say. say of me. My words were gentle and kind. Most of all I want to lead a life of truth. as a man of oh God Simply as a man.
0: This may be one of my most emotional days, and uh, something about Father's Day, so much more than the Hallmark card holiday that it is, and so many other holidays that come. But Father's Day evokes in me an emotion that just reminds me of our Father in Heaven. And I had a good relationship with my dad, but it's not about that. It wasn't the perfect relationship. I mean, we weren't best buds or anything like that, so it's not like I'm all choked up over my dad here. But I am choked up over what re- what the relationship with dad's really supposed to be and how it reflects our relationship with our Father in heaven. And I think that's why Father's Day is one such, such a deep day uh, in my heart. And I want to just take a moment before we go any further to know that express to you how difficult days can be like this emotional holidays like Father's Day and Mother's Day and Grandparents Day and Easter and Christmas they can be so emotional for us because it brings back a rawness of life it brings back memories of people and uh, maybe not so good and maybe really good and we have to deal with them sometimes again and uh, so I, I know that and And I'm not trying to dig up hurts or any past memories that may not be good, but I do hope that we can focus on what our God, our Father in heaven wants us to have today and the intention of this day for us today and how significant it is. I know, dads, that we've messed up. Some of us have messed up a lot, and, and we continue to mess up. So I'm not here this morning to talk about that either. I'm not here to talk about how much we've messed up. But I am here to talk about how God has a perfect plan for our life and that he takes our messes. He takes our ignorance and our stupidity and our just plain stubborn human pride and he can take it and he can mold it and he can make it into something that is beautiful, that he can use. So it's first that we recognize that. It's important that we don't ignore that fact that we have made mistakes. This isn't just a day where we just forget about all the stuff we've done wrong, but we need to accept the responsibility for the things that we have done and aren't, maybe aren't quite as good as we should have been, and we just go to the Father and we say, Father, would you forgive us? And uh, if we do that, if we really do that, he will give us the blessings of his life that he has for us. Jeremiah twenty nine eleven through 13 says, For I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord. They are plans for good and not for evil, to give you a future and a hope in those days when you pray, I will listen. You will find me when you seek me, if you look for me in earnest. So many times when we read scriptures, we find scriptures that make us feel good and that scriptures that we memorize and scriptures that we repeat back to God as, uh, as though we can convince God to do whatever we ask him to do because of the scriptures that he said. But I think if we're really going to read and believe these passages for what they're supposed to be, we need to read them in context. And we need to read before and after this because many people will recognize this verse as a very favorite verse of theirs. It says, For I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord. They are plans for good and not for evil, to give you a future and a hope. And that sounds good, and they stop there. But if you're going to really have this come to bear, you have to go through and read 12 and 13. Verses 13, it says, If you will find me when, when you seek me, if you look for me in earnest. Now, what does it mean when you say, Look for in earnest? What does earnest mean? The definition of earnest means to seek seriously, with sincere inaction, with words and intentions, in a determined and purposeful way, in a way that is expecting an outcome or a change or, or, or a response based on the seeking. If I seek in a manner that isn't earnest, then in all honesty, should I expect an answer? If I'm just saying a flippant prayer to God, if I'm not really earnest in it, if I'm really not seeking Him to find the answer, can I really expect it to be seen and heard? So we have to be honest with ourselves and recognize how earnest am I in my prayers. Dads, how earnest are we in our prayers for our family? Can we really measure our prayers as being sincere and sober and intense grave, deep, those are other, those are synonyms for the word earnest. That's what it means. If I'm going to, if I'm going to have the plans for God's plans for me to come to bear, fruition and to be bore bore out, I will have them as I seek him in earnesty. And that's just so important. We must realize that. Dads, we have a huge responsibility to do this. And being a father is a never-ending role. It, it started early and it's going to, it's going to be with me until I die and it's going to be with every father here until you die. So what do we do with it now? What do we do with it? Now, maybe you've missed it at the beginning, and that's okay if you have. It's never too late to start being a dad. It's never too late to start being a good dad. But how do we do it? How do we do it? Well, thank the Lord he's given us a role model to follow. The relationship that Jesus had with his father is a perfect role model for us to follow. And and I think it's important that we go back and, and understand the basics for that and what that really means. I don't know that we recognize that um, Jesus, before he became the son of God, he was God. (laughs) We see Jesus as being a baby that came in a manger and a man that lived. But before that, what was Jesus before he became the baby? He was God. Let's read this. John chapter 1, verses 1 through 4. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Understand that the Word is capitalized W, and the Word is actually referred to as Jesus. Jesus was the Word. He was with God in the beginning. Through him all things were made. Without him nothing was made that has been made. In him was life, and that life was the light of all mankind. The Living Bible translation says it a little bit more clear, maybe. It says, before anything else existed, there was Christ with God. He has always been alive and is himself God. He created everything there is. Nothing exists that he didn't make. Eternal life is in him and this life gives light to all mankind. Jesus was part of or was God and we see God as the Father, Son, Holy Spirit but Jesus was the creator God. Colossians tells us In verse 1, verses 15 through 17, uh, again, in the Living Bible, Christ is the exact likeness of the unseen God. He existed before God made anything at all, and in fact, Christ himself is the creator who made everything in heaven and earth, the things we can see and the things we can't. The spirit world with its kings and kingdoms, its rulers and authorities, all were made by Christ for his own use and glory. He was before all else began, and it is his power that holds everything together. So here we see that Christ really was part of the creator God. And I don't know that we recognize that sometimes. I think that we maybe see Jesus as being always the man Jesus. But yet, we do find that there was an appointed time. That there was an appointed time where Jesus broke rank where he descended further in rank to being a son where God would be his father. And that is a significant role for us to know today. That is a significant purpose for us to know that because they form a perfect role model for us dads to be to our children. We all know that Jesus loved us. We know that God loved us so much. We know John 3:16 and 17. You could recite it with me. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whoever believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. God loved us so much that he sent his son for us. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world but to save the world through him. So here we have the perfect example of how a loving father will love so much that he will not allow his creation to end in destruction. started off perfect. We all know the situation. Adam and Eve sinned. We all know that they fell. That created sin in all humankind, and there needed to come a Savior. So here we see Jesus and God and the Holy Spirit breaking rank. They agreed to separate. They agreed to separate in heavenly and earthly roles so that God would stay as a heavenly Father Jesus would come as his son and the Holy Spirit would be the enabler. The Holy Spirit would draw all men unto Jesus who Jesus would then point to God the Father. And through that, we would have a relationship back to our Father in heaven again because it was broken so many years ago. So here we're seeing Jesus lowering lowering himself from being equal to God at the creation to now being in the form of a man coming down and taking on the guise of servanthood to show us how to have a father son, father daughter relationship. Philippians chapter 2, verses 5 through 8, again in the Living Bible. Your attitude should be the kind that was shown to us by Jesus Christ, who, though he was God, did not demand and cling to his rights as God, but laid aside his mighty power and glory, taking on the disguise of a slave and becoming like men. And he humbled himself even further, going so far as actually to die a criminal's death on the cross. We see, if we could see heaven for a moment, we could see God the Father, God God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit prior to Jesus coming to earth. And we can see them agreeing together to separate. Jesus voluntarily took on the role of son. And he said, I will go down, I will take on human form, and I will go down and live among them, and I will be a man, fully man, 100% man. And I will feel like men feel, and I will have the constraints that men have. I will not be able to be omniscient anymore. I will take on the form of man, and I will walk the dusty earth, and I will live among a broken people. But I will be perfect in that. As you, Father, give me the ability to do that, I will be perfect in that so that I can be the perfect sacrifice and that I can die in place of them because a father's love is so strong that he would have his son die for all of us. That's why Father's Day is so amazing because it shows the love of the Father that comes down and takes it on for us. But Jesus understood his role and position on earth And while he was in the form of a man, that he was to serve his father in heaven. He was to be submissive to his will and God's direction. John five nineteen. Jesus gave them this answer. Very truly I tell you, the Son can do nothing by himself. He can only do what he sees his father doing, because whatever the father does, the son does also. That little clip there with that that man shaven and the little boy shaven next to him, you know, that's kind of what boys do. You know, they mock, they mimic not mock. They mimic their father. and they, they want to be like their dad in so many ways. And that's exactly what Jesus was saying for us. He was coming down to show us how to be like the Father. John 6, 38. For I have come down from heaven not to do my will, but to do the will of him who sent me. Jesus makes it perfectly clear that he only does what his Father in heaven directs him to do. We would think that it could be so otherwise like. It doesn't have to be that way. Why would Jesus have to be submissive to God the Father? Because he was God. But yet he voluntarily took on the role of what it's like to be human so that he can be a perfect role model for us. And this is the point of the message today. It's the way we submit to Christ. Dads, listen. It's the way we submit to Christ is the way that your children will submit to Christ. I have to teach them how to do it. That's the role that I have as a, as a, as a father. The, the priestly role of a father is to teach my children how to submit to Christ, like Christ submitted to the Father. But Jesus said it best, as usual. He always said it the best way. As he was explaining to his disciples about the relationship that he and his father have. John chapter 14 Verses six through ten. Jesus answered, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If you really know me, you will know my Father as well. From now on, you do know me, and I have seen him. Philip said, These remember, these are disciples that you and I, just like you and I. Philip said, Lord, show us the Father, and that will be enough for us. And Jesus answered, Philip, don't you know me by now? Even after I have been among you for such a long time, anyone who has seen me has seen the Father. How can you say, show us the Father? Don't you believe that I am in the Father and that the Father is in me? The words I say to you, I do not speak in my own authority. Rather, it is the Father living in me who is doing his work. That's the proper relationship that we should have with God the Father the way Jesus did. He had the relationship that he could only speak what the Father speaks to him that is submission. Jesus understood what it means to be submitted to somebody else. How do you look at submission? Submission really can be a really a dirty word. It can be a really a word that we fight against because to be submissive to be submissive to a person or to an organization or to be or to a message can be really appear to be hard to do. The devil certainly doesn't want us to be submission, submissive. Think of submission this way. Submission can be broken into two words, sub-mission. Sub meaning under, mission meaning, meaning a goal. So when a person comes under submission, what they're really doing is that they're coming under agreement with somebody else's mission and they're coming sub to that mission. So that when I submit to you, I'm saying, I hear where you're going, I see where you're going, and I am going to submit to you, and I'm going to come under your mission. submission. And that's exactly the concept that we need to hear and see in the relationship between Jesus and his Father. Because Jesus knew what the Father's mission was, and so he was coming sub to the Father's mission, so therefore he could submit. And when we know the mission and we trust a mission, it's easier for us to come sub to it. We submit. We're under submission. So it begs the questions of us, Dad, are we submitting to the mission of Christ? Do we have a sub? Are we a sub to His mission? And until I really understand my, my purpose is to, to be submitted to Jesus, can I really take my role as leader to my family. I first must be submitted to Christ if I'm going to be a proper leader to my family. That doesn't mean you can't be a good dad and not be submitted to Christ. There's a lot of good men out there that are good dads. But that but if they're not submitted to Christ, where are they really leading their children? What are they really doing? Yeah, they're being good dads. That's good. Be a good dad, but the most important thing is here is that we need to understand the mission of Jesus and we need to understand what his role was and then we need to take on that role as dads so that we can then can be submitted to the role of Jesus and then teach our children and our wives there are scriptures that we can misinterpret so many times when it comes to submissive relationships Ephesians chapter 5 verse 22 and 20 through 24 wives submit yourselves to your own husbands as you do to the Lord now this is one that's easy to memorize <laughs> But if you really read the whole context of it here, this is really putting more pressure on the dads than it is on the moms. The person that you're submitting to has more responsibility than the person that's being submitting. So it might sound good to say, wives, submit to your husbands. But dads, if you really knew what that meant, you might not say that. If you really understood the purpose and the significance of what it means to have someone submit to you and the responsibility that you're going to have as a result, you might not think about it the way you're thinking about it maybe in the wrong context. Let's not go brain dead here on this because this is really putting more responsibility on men. Because to read the rest of that passage, it says, For the husband is the head of the wife as Christ is the head of the church, his body of which he is the Savior. Now as the church submits to Christ... So also wives should submit to their husbands and everything. We've just seen how important it was for Christ to be submissive to his father. And dads, that's the key to our lives as well, that we need to learn to be submissive to God just like Jesus was submissive to God. It takes a lot of responsibility, guys. It takes a lot of work. It takes a lot of diligence. But the reward is amazing as we do it. Jesus understood the mission of his father. What was the mission of God the Father? To save people. He wanted no one to perish. That was the mission of God the Father, what no one would perish. And Jesus understood it. He was on a mission that his Father gave him. And then we find the ultimate submission that Jesus had to God. The ultimate submission in the, in the Garden of Gethsemane, Mark chapter 14, verse 36 Jesus is praying in the garden. This is prior to him being arrested, prior to to him, the beginning of the crucifixion phase of his life. And he's crying out, and he says, Abba, Father. You know what Abba, Father means? Abba is the most intimate form of fatherhood. Daddy. it's, it's, It's the most intimate way that we can call out to our dad. And here Jesus is saying, Abba, Father. Everything is possible for you. Take this cup from me. Jesus did not want to, in his flesh, die. Understand what he was willingly doing here. He was willingly going to take on the sins of the whole world. And with it came a severe beating, a crown of thorns. We all know the story. Maybe you've seen the movie. (laughs) You all, but I don't think we all can appreciate the fact that Jesus really didn't want to do this. Would you? But the most important thing here, he said, was yet not what I will, but you will. That is ultimate submission. He understood the mission of God. The mission of God was, Jesus, you have to go through this process. Because I cannot accept relationship with a broken, sinful people until the blood has been paid, the penalty has been paid, and animals don't cut it. It must be you. You are the one. Will you submit to this? Jesus didn't have to. He could have walked away. He really could have walked away. They could have wrung their hands on us and said, we're done with this, Throw them all to hell, and let's come on, let's create, another, let's create another world. They could have started all over. They didn't need to do this, but that's the love of God. Love goes beyond what we have to do. That's what Father's love is. It goes beyond what we have to do into what we get to do. Jesus got to do this, not because he had to, but because he voluntarily, willingly said, I will pay the price. Because, Father, I am submitting to your mission and our mission together then, together we're going to save the world. We're going to have a relationship with these people. And that's exactly what he did because that was the plan. Jesus willingly and voluntarily continued in the path of submission and obedience with a good attitude. (laughs) Hebrews chapter 12, verse 2 and 3, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of faith, for the joy... Listen to this. Why would you put this word here? For the joy set before him, he endured the cross. What was was joyful in the cross? I see pain. I see misery. I see beating. I see death. (laughs) But Jesus said, for the joy, God said, for the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning at shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. He did this because he saw the bigger picture he saw the end from the beginning and he saw the joy that was going to come as he endured the cross, scorning a shame, so he could sit at the right hand of the Father, making intercession for the saints, for you and I thereafter, forever and ever. He continued in the role of submission. Submission is not a one-time deal. Submission is a continual process. We submit daily to our Heavenly Father. Dads, we submit daily to our Heavenly Father so that we can daily lead our children and our families. Jesus was coming under the mission of his father. And when he submitted himself and submitted to the cross, everything else came along with it. Everything else. Defeat of Satan and victory for us. That we now have the ability to walk in submission. So dads, what's your mission today? What's your mission? Have you ever thought about it? Your family can only submit to the mission that you're on. They can't submit to a mission that you're not already on. You have to be on the mission first. Do you understand the significance of mission? Do you understand what it means to have a goal, to have a place where you're leading, and then only then and there can people submit and follow you where you're going. You can't be going over here and expecting them to go over there if they're following you. It starts here. It starts at the dad, you know, and that's the way God created it to be. That was his idea. He's the one that set up families. It was his idea. He set up men as leaders, not to be domineering over wives and domineering over the children, but to be leaders. But he has to lead only where he's going. He can't expect to lead where he's not going. Huge responsibility. And here's the other deal, guys. You don't have to be perfect in it because you can't be perfect in it. You just have to be willing to to go the, the, the full distance. Dad, what's your mission? What's your mission? Our culture belittles men today. Our culture belittles the roles of dads today. You see the commercials on TV. The dads are the bumbling idiots. The dads are the one that can do nothing right. Then mom comes along and saves the day. Well, thank goodness for moms because sometimes they do come along and save the day. Thank the Lord. But that doesn't mean you belittle men. That doesn't mean you belittle the office of fatherhood because when you're belittling the office of fatherhood, what you're doing is you're belittling the office of Father God because it's that relationship. We are modeling the relationship that Father God has with Jesus the Son. And so when you belittle the fatherhood office, what you're really saying is, God, you're not that important to me. It's very important that we honor fathers and we don't put them on pedestals and and expect perfection because they're not going to be perfect. They're going to fail many times. They're going to fail, but that's what we have to do. We have to, we have to um, just come submissive, dads, to forgiveness, repentance. We have to show our children what it means to forgive and be forgiven. We need to show our children what it means to repent, to go back and say, I'm sorry. We need to show them how that works. We need to be a man of God. It's exactly what our role is. That's a purpose. What would your family be like if you did that, dads? if we were good at that what would our families be like you know i think when we can look at our mission in life to be a man of god if that would be my mission to be a man of god if i could Im- if i could realize the impact that that has not just on my children but on my grandchildren and their children and their children what I'm establishing is a spiritual heritage that I'm establishing a foundation I'm establishing a foundation so they can look back and see grandpa and great-grandpa and great-great-grandpa and they can say I'm building on the foundation that he started when I can see that my role as a father is to start building a, a foundation for future generations that gives me the joy that Jesus had when he endured the cross because that's the joy that he saw. He saw that he was building a foundation for us to follow. That brings the joy, and joy then brings peace, and joy brings a sense of fulfillment. And so, dads, the mission, if I can say my mission is to be a man of God, then I am establishing a foundation for my future generations to stand on and to build upon, and they would only get stronger from there. And then who knows what my granddaughter's going to be? Who knows what my grandson's going to be? Who knows? They may be, they may be the next evangelist. They may be the next president. They may be the next soul winner that, that, that wins thousands and thousands, much beyond you and I. But here's the deal. You're credited with that as, you're, as you laid the foundation. As you led your family, as you did the things that you were responsible for, not in your perfection, but in your submission to the mission of God, you are establishing a foundation for eternity for your family. That brings joy. That brings peace. That brings a sense of purpose. That's what I want. That's the mission that I want to be on. And maybe we've made some mistakes. And that's okay. You're going to make mistakes. But we have a promise that's given to us. In the book of Joel, we have a promise that the, pro- the prophet Joel gives to us: if we are diligent in following the plan that the Lord has laid out for us. Joel chapter two, verse one: Blow the trumpet in Zion, sound the alarm on my holy hill. Let all who live in the land tremble, for the day of the Lord is coming; it is close at hand. That's what we're doing today. We're blowing the trumpet of alarm this morning so that we all know the mission we're supposed to be on. We're blowing the sound. We're blowing the whole, the, 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 the trumpet in Zion. So we're alarming. We're, we're sending the alarm out to everybody to say, hey, follow me as I follow Christ. As I follow Jesus, the day of the Lord is coming and it's close at hand. And then Joel goes on to say, at verse 12, even now, declares the Lord, return to me with all your heart, With fasting and weeping and mourning, rend your heart and not your garments. Return to the Lord your God, for He is gracious and compassionate, slow to anger, abounding in love, and He relents from sending calamity. Guys, Jackie, you can come as we begin to wrap up. Here's the good news, guys. This where we're going with this in the prophet Joel is that for all the mistakes that we've made, because I know that this is the kind of message that can bring a lot of pain and a lot of guilt for dads that maybe haven't been following Jesus all their life. And maybe you haven't really established that foundation like you would if you could do it again. But here's the deal. As we repent, and as we get, be, get on our face before the Lord today, and be honest with ourselves and our family, that we can truly be a man of God as we recognize, first of all, that we are, have to come under the mission of Jesus. And, as we do that, as we begin to lead a godly mission, we first have to be submitted to God our Father. and as I do that, Joel continues with his prophecy, Joel chapter two, verse eighteen. Then the Lord was jealous for his land and took pity on his people. The Lord replied to them, "I am sending you new gra- I'm sending you grain, new wine, and olive oil enough to satisfy you fully. never again will I make you an object of scorn to the nations." God is faithful to those who are faithful and earnestly seeking him. Remember we, the first verse we read? If, I, if you earnestly seek him, he will give you the plans. He will give you the life that you have, the blessings. 25 and 27 of Joel, I will repay you for the years the locusts have eaten, the great locusts and the young locusts, the other locusts and the locust swarm, my great army that I sent among you. Basically what he's saying, if you return to me, I will make up everything the enemy has stolen from you. I will give you back the things that you gave away if you earnestly seek me, even in your old age. Even if you come to me when you think it's too late, I am the God of second chances. I am the God of third chances. I am the God that will give you everything back to you and more if you will earnestly seek me today. Verse 26, You will have plenty to eat until you are full, and you will praise the name of the Lord your God who has worked wonders for you. Never again will my people be shamed. Then you will know that I am Israel, that I am the Lord your God, and there is no other. Never again will my people be shamed. That's the foundation that I want to lay for my family. That's it. That's it right there. That's the goal. That's the mission that I'm on. I want to lay that foundation that says I'm all about Jesus all that matters it's all that matters that I want my children to know jesus that's the mission that i'm subbing under to christ so dads this morning what's your mission today what's your mission do you share that do you share that passion You're the only one, Dad. You're the only one that can make that decision in your life. Nobody can make it for you. As we sing the song that Jackie's playing, I just want to encourage us all to do whatever we have to do to to surrender to the Lord today. Make that your mission, that we would be that good, good father to our children. It's never too late to start, dads. Let's pray. Father, we come to you in Jesus' name, and we recognize who you are. And Lord, truly, truly, we want to submit to you today. Father, I know that perfection comes, and we're often told by the enemy that don't even try because you've had too many years passed or too many things wrong, and that's a lie is alive from the pit of hell, and I stand against it right now as I can by the blood of Christ to say, Jesus, I accept your promise, and your promise is as we repent that you will, you will replace and you will give us back what the, what the years that locusts have eaten. And Father, I claim that promise and blessing for every dad in this place today. I pray blessing and anointing on us today as we worship you and as we declare that we are submitting to you, our Father in heaven. Amen.
2: I heard thousand stories of what they think you're like, and I
0: we love you this morning we thank you for being a good good father and for being that that great role model jesus thank you for teaching us what it means to submit to our father in heaven because now it's our father it's not just your father anymore because now we are joint heirs with you we are together here serving and submitting to our father in heaven and for that we give you thanks and i pray god again i pray blessings on this church I pray blessings on everyone here that's hearing this message here and beyond. And Father, I just pray anointing you love us. And now I pray, God, that you would complete the task, complete the mission that you have for us, that we can fully submit to you and enjoy the process until we see you one day in heaven. We glorify you and we bring you glory and honor in the name of Jesus. Amen, amen, amen. Go in the Lord today and have a blessed day.